0: Hey, what's up everybody? Welcome to episode 53 of So I've Been Told. My name is Adam Kramer and my guest on this episode is Matt Langston of 11d7 and the Fast Feeling. Um you know, 117 put out a record this year called Bad Glitches, which is as you'll hear me say in this episode, one of my favorite records of this whole year. Uh, Big fan of what Matt did with that record, and also he's in a band with uh, Leonor from Five Iron, who's been on the show before, and you know, the fast feeling. That record's great as well. So I got to fanboy a little bit and have Matt on the show, and we had a lot of fun just chatting. So I'm gonna just you know get right to that, uh, but first I will play. Uh, a new song by 117 called Hellmouth, and it's featuring Spaceman Jones. So enjoy, and then enjoy our, the conversation that I had with Matt.
1: Christmas seeds back to Halloween Eve I spend a lot of energy Hiding all these crises behind my eyes That's why I'm traveling back
2: over the internet
0: yeah for sure i mean it's uh it's it's weird how that's kind of the new normal now um not just for doing (laughs) podcasts, but in general um but yeah so i mean uh you know i'll give you a little bit of a rundown i don't know if you listen to any other episodes of of the podcast to get an idea of what this is like it's really it's just it's just us hanging out having a conversation about your kind of journey um that's and that's pretty much it i mean we you know wherever whatever bunny trails we want to go down we go down um it's you know there's no you know strict format so
2: awesome i love that you call them bunny trails because it seems to sort of uh make make it a little more uh not as not as high stakes whenever you (laughs) yeah yeah lose your faculties in (laughs) conversation yeah which
0: which totally happens in almost every every podcast but uh uh, yeah, so a little bit of my background. I will, uh, we'll just jump right in, and uh, so my my sure. history with eleven seven, just so you know where I'm coming from, is just kind of being aware of you guys. Back in the day, I was into all of the you know Christian pop punk stuff, um, and then sorry. <laughs> well, and, then I, and I wasn't even like, and, and no offense to you, but I wasn't like, I wasn't like a i i was more aware of you guys than i, w- I wasn't like a fan back then i not because i didn't like it i just wasn't aware um like i knew who you guys were i definitely saw the myspace video in an american eagle one time like playing on the tv there yeah and right I was...
2: people are just trying to buy pants and they <laughs> can't get away from us making racket yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, so I was, you know, I was, I was aware that you guys existed. I knew that you guys kind of toured with other bands that I was into, um, and then I completely forgot that you existed, and uh, you, kinda so came... you kind of.
2: So you kind of, you're kind of
0: like my parents in that regard. <laughs> I, <reckon. laughs> uh, I guess so. I mean, uh, you know, we can dig deeper on that if you want when we get into, you, you know, you telling your story. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no
2: worries. No worries. Uh,
0: but yeah, so then, you know, kind of fell off my radar. I mean, obviously, like, probably like most people, I don't listen to as much, uh, you know, pop punk music as I did when I was a teenager, because I'm 33 now. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and then uh, that Fast Feeling record came out. And I love that record.
2: Oh, cool. Yeah.
0: And, you know, have been a huge fan of Five Iron, you know, literally since I was a child. Um, So that came out and I was super into that. And then was like, oh, well, I'll, you know, I listened to a few episodes of your podcasts um, because I'm kind of just a podcast nerd and was like, you know, in really, I, I haven't I'm still pretty far behind on that, but uh, so I haven't heard the full story either. Um, but you know, really enjoyed kind of you guys telling your stories about you know kind of being in that you know weird Christian pop punk scene.
1: Sure.
0: Uh, and then eventually, and you know, I heard you on the the five the Five Iron podcast. I can't remember what it's called. The Magnified Pod.
2: Pod. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, and so then from there, I, you know, I checked out uh, Bad Glitches and like kind of had an emotional reaction to that record in a real like weird way. And like took a shower and was like, oh, this will just be like a fun, like, like, you know, upbeat, like pops, like chill out and, <laughs> and dig this like super poppy record and then like found myself like like crying to bad glitches because just oh. just like resonating with a lot of the lyrics on it which it just really threw me for a loop because I was just like oh this is just going to be a and it was a fun time but
2: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, yeah
0: so and then I and then I you know added you on Facebook and used some restraint because I wanted to like fanboy out like, in that moment, but I was like, I'm gonna wait until I'm chill, like, not just being a fanboy about how much I like your record, um, but yeah, so, I mean, it, it kind of took me by surprise, <coughs> and, cool. uh, so that's kind of my history with 117. and now I've kind of gone back and, you know, gone through the catalog and have enjoyed it, um, you know, some stuff more than others, but, I mean, really enjoying, I've enjoyed it all for what it is, so, um, so, yeah, I'm excited to kind of hear your story. Sorry, I, like, ranted first thing. Like, I don't normally do that um, at the beginning no, of the no. podcast. Uh... You're
2: good. You're good. <laughs> Everything. Everything's great. Yeah, man.
0: So, you know, what, what was your kind of background as far as your family? And, like, you know, are, do you come from a musical family? And then what kind of brought you into the world of... You know the the whole like punk rock and more diy music as opposed to you know the the usual you know dc talk newsboys whatever christian music (laughs) that you know all of us from that world kind of started with
2: um yeah so i i didn't um i didn't grow up in a super musical family like um my First of all, like, we grew up in a very rural part of South Carolina. Um, So we were automatically kind of protected uh, or insulated from a lot of culture. Mm -hmm. Um, And then on top of that, I also grew up in in pretty uh, staunch Southern Baptist churches uh, throughout my youth. So that was, like, um, even kind of being into uh, Christian rock or any of the sort of, like, fringe – harder genres of, of <laughs> christian music uh was still kind of like weirded people out you know it, they still like didn't quite get it um yeah even when when 11 D was coming up it was like we when we first started playing shows we would like we were begging other churches to come let us play for their youth groups and it and it all kind of seemed to still weird people out <laughs> yeah <laughs> whatever we were doing just kind of showing up and being loud and and odd, um, but yeah, I, I, I don't think, it didn't have, like, a, a, mega musical background, and a lot of the stuff that I heard, you know, was either oldies, or, like, a whole lot of beach boys, which I can't nice. call anyone for, because I love that stuff, yeah, um, so yeah, there was that, and then as, I, as I became a teenager, I kind of started getting introduced to all of these other, um, like, bands and artists at, like, youth camps, and things like that, and, um, and I realized there was this massive subculture, like the cornerstone culture, mm-hmm. you know, people kind of plan their entire lives around uh, the summer festival circuit, you yeah. know, and kind of going to see all these bands and seeing their friends. And there was something really cool and inclusive about that community. It was like, oh, yeah, we're all Christians. And we all kind of felt like we were on, you know, on the youthful cutting edge of, whatever was happening uh, artistically or musically in our faith at the time mm-hmm. and so I got hella into it. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: Uh, what were some of the, the the bands that were like, you know, the most impactful from that period?
2: Oh man, I, just different, different bands kind of impacted you in different ways, like a uh, huge Five Iron fan growing up, so like your, Reese's lyrics I thought were just absolutely outstanding. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really, I really sort of resonated with this whole kind of like counterculture, even within Christian counterculture. Yeah. (laughs) They kind of had going on. Um, but I had zero life experience to kind of put any of that together. Mm -hmm. Um, I was really into MXPX, uh, slick shoes, a ton of tooth and nail stuff, um, and like, and, and pretty hardcore into Joy Electric as well. Yeah. But I don't know if you're like familiar with that band at all, but.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming we, we might be close to the same, I'm 33, so I don't know how old you are, if you want to say, but. Uh,
2: no, yeah, I'll be, I'll be 35 in a few okay.
0: weeks. Yeah. yeah so yeah. we're, we're like kind of in the, in that same, you know, demographic. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very much a tooth and nail kid as well, and. I've I've actually been you know kind of on my own been working through, listening through the full tooth and nail discography. Um, oh wow! Which is <laughs> yeah, like it has been uh, mostly really great. Um, yeah. There's, there's there's you know there's stuff in there that I don't particularly enjoy, and I mean and I mean like the full like B E C and all of the like weird sub labels as well. Um, so it's it, you know I'm. You know, I've listened to a lot. I'm in, like, 2009 right now, and I feel like I've been in 2009 forever because that was when things were booming. Uh, But I was actually going to ask about Joy Electric just because they were so... Like, what Ronnie was doing was so innovative and different from... And I mean, I don't just mean that, like, within the Christian world. I mean, just in general for that time.
2: Yeah, for sure. Like, I definitely definitely credit him with like I had no idea what analog synthesizers were um, <clears throat> and then all of a sudden I just like became completely enamored with like everything that he did there was something like uh, something kind of like mentally or or au- audibly orgasmic about those <laughs> these sounds and textures and like kind of worlds that he was painting like it was the first time I had listened to a band and I immediately kind of felt like I was transported into this alternate reality where everything kind of, kind of looks like a a cartoony downtown Tokyo. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, uh, yeah, it was, it was really awesome for me. And it changed, it changed the way that I saw music and the way that I saw music as being art. Mm -hmm. Um, and the different things that you could do with just, just with sounds by kind of, um, committing yourself to not just building a song but building like a space for the listener to hear a song in yeah um and i don't know if i don't know if ronnie was like intentionally doing any of that at the time <laughs> but he's definitely i would consider him to be a master of that craft for yeah. sure
1: cool
0: so. well i'll jump back into you know talking about you you know forming eleven D and all that but uh have, have you like, do you know Ronnie now? Have you uh, been able to connect with him over the years?
2: You know, we we kind of met... Uh, we met years ago, and I feel like we kind of had, like, on-again, off-again internet or phone conversations. The last time that I really talked to Ronnie, I think I had, like, sold him an old Juno 106 right. that he ended up making the very last uh, Joy E album with. So I kind of felt like that was that was cool and it was like a, a nice final chapter yeah um but now, now i think he's like super into kind of like being a, a pastor and into apologetics and um like this 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 other sort of interesting sect of of christianity and yeah church planting and things like that so, yeah yeah yeah
0: cool um so tell me about kind of the formation of eleven to seven and was that, was that your first band as well?
2: Yeah. Well, so the very first band that, that I had was actually, if it's me and our original bass player, Caleb, we met at a summer camp and at the summer camp, he was like, Hey, I'm about to have a birthday. And I, I think that my aunt, I, I think I'm remembering this correctly. I think his aunt was going to give him like a specific amount of birthday money and he mm-hmm. had already decided he was going to take that birthday money and go buy a bass. So we were like at this camp and I was like I kind of played guitar a little bit, you know, wasn't super super talented at it at all, but we were just I realized that we were both into all of these different bands. Mm-hmm. And at at the time it was like, oh my god, if there, if I could think of anything I want my life to look like, it's like these bands. It's, you know, going out on the road, the romanticism of Uh, sort of getting in a van and traveling around the country and playing all these shows and festivals and actually like being the loud things at the concerts. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It just seemed super fun. And so we kind of started out doing that. Um, We practiced in his parents' house. They had like an an extra bedroom that everybody just called the music room. And it was just, God, it was awful, awfully loud in there. We had almost no gear. We were, like, hanging microphones from the light fixtures because we didn't have mic stands, (laughs) and we couldn't afford mic stands. Um, So, yeah, there was that, and and to to his mom and dad's credit, I mean, you know, there were times where we would – we'd show up at their house at 10 o'clock at night and practice until 2 or 3 in the morning, and they were – just so chill like about us being that there's no way in hell now that i would let
1: teenagers
2: (laughs) come into my house or even the studio like at that time of night yeah and just rehearse and bang on shit and and for whatever reason they were super cool with it um and yeah so i'm i'm grateful to them
0: yeah that's (laughs) awesome
2: (laughs) yeah um so i guess like moving on from there you know we just Started, started playing shows, started, as I mentioned before, like, everybody kind of thought we were weird. It wasn't like, uh, we just started playing in a band and people were into it. And the only place that we could find to give us shows were, like, playing with hardcore bands mm-hmm. in, like, North Carolina. So we would we would cross the state lines and tell our parents that we were going to each other's house for sleepovers. And instead we were <laughs> we were loading up our GMC Jimmy with, like, everything we could get in it. And going and playing shows with hardcore bands that were probably just as confused as to why we were there. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was fun. Like it was a really interesting way to sort of cut your teeth, um, playing for a bunch of different crowds. Like starting out your musical career, playing for people who don't give a shit about you. Yeah. Um, was was really informative for us, and I feel like a really awesome lesson <laughs> yeah. that we would we would learn over and over again kind of <laughs> in the, in the music industry and specifically within uh, the Christian music industry for sure.
0: Yeah. So, uh, as yeah. far as playing with hardcore bands, did you, did you, you know, any crossover with bands that would later, you know, be a little bit bigger or just. Uh,
2: there were a few, there are a few bands that there was this one, one band called far something far now or something. Can't can't remember the name of them, but they they definitely would have been like in that sort of early two thousands tooth and nail, yeah uh, situation, and they ended up getting signed to Tooth and Nail. There are a few other bands that we played with that I think ended up uh, getting signed, but I don't I don't entirely remember who they are now yeah. because it all sort of runs together.
0: Weird, and so. uh, you know, as far as you know, you you mentioned you played a lot of a lot of churches and stuff. Was that always? You know, were you guys kind of like, oh, well, we want to just play whatever shows we can get, and that's the world you knew? Um, or was it kind of a concerted effort to be involved in, like, the Christian scene?
2: No, I, I think it, for what this might sound, uh, hubristic, if that's even a word, <laughs> um, but there was, you know, like, we, we knew a lot of the other churches in town, too, and we, um, we, we had no, like, illusions of grandeur. Like, we didn't think that we were the most awesome band, but we did think that we were the most interesting thing that could happen in churches, um, <laughs> in the area. Because we, like, we knew what it was like to go every single, every single, you know, Wednesday night to youth group or Sunday night to youth group. And it's just kind of like the same old, you know, games and, and Bible stories and things like that. So <laughs> I think that was our sell. It was like, hey, we, we can be something different. Yeah. Like you know, we can be a band, and wouldn't it be cool to have a band in here. It was just, like, such a novel idea at the time, but only because we were in such a small, you know, area, like, just so removed from the rest of the world. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah.
0: Cool. Yeah, I mean, I I feel like my first band, like, we didn't talk about the fact that we were a Christian band. We just, it was just, like, like, very few of our lyrics talked about anything spiritual at all, but we just kind of you know, we would play church shows if they came up, but it was just because that was our, that was just our sphere, you know, so that's what we did. Yeah. But, uh, um, you know, so, you know, how did how did things kind of move, you know, to the next level from, you know, sneaking out of the state uh, to play to play hardcore shows to, you know, signing with, was it Flickr that you were on?
2: Yeah, so... We, yeah,
0: and all, all that
2: So a friend of ours had a studio in Morganton, North Carolina, and we were coming up like every weekend that we weren't playing shows and, and working on songs or, you know, an album or an EP or this or that and the other thing. And he had played his band uh, was called four, four man furnace, I think. Mm -hmm. And they had played some shows with audio adrenaline back in the day. This probably would have been like four or five years previous, Mm -hmm. um, and so he was like, "Hey, so my friends Mark and Will have this uh, record label, and I'm gonna send them your stuff." And we're like, "Okay, well that would be, that would be cool, you know." But we're not like, trying not to get our hopes up or anything. And so he starts sending them demos, and while he starts sending them demos, you know, we kind of reach this this weird uh, fever pitch in our lives where um, we have to figure out what we're gonna do after high school. Mm -hmm. So I ended up getting a, like a scholarship to this college in the area and I ended up going and doing two semesters of college all the while kind of like driving from college back to the studio and, you know, demoing any songs that I had. I started, I started a whole other like electronic side project Mm -hmm. during this time called The Circuits. Um, And so I was like, you know, playing little pop-up shows around campus and stuff with friends Um, and just sort of doing doing that thing like scratching the the musical itch um, because it seemed like college kind of took us away from each other because we all went to different schools Mm -hmm. and so um, I was kind of at this place where I was ready to be done with Mm -hmm. 11B7 or I didn't think anything else was going to come of it um, and maybe just like move on and, and try to really dig into the synthesizer thing on my own and then all of a sudden you know, I don't know, I, I want to say this is almost two years after we first started sending Mark and Will demos. Um, they they emailed our friend back and they were like, hey, uh, we're really interested in this band and we're really serious about it. And, we, you know, tell them that they need to find a manager and a lawyer because we want to have some conversations with them. And so we were just completely flabbergasted but we knew that like hey well let's let's go for this so we booked an entire tour that summer um we were playing anywhere and everywhere that would give us shows i mean yeah. in, in, in reality it felt like we were kind of pretending to tour like we were just mimicking what we thought other bands were doing yeah. um one of the bands that we ended up playing a ton of shows with was a band called last tuesday i don't yeah. know if you remember uh, um but they were they were so cool. They were such a better band than we were, and they were kind <laughs> enough to like get us on some shows with them, um, if they had a place that you know had room for an opener. Um, so yeah, it was just a whole lot of that, a whole lot of kind of pretending that we were <laughs> a real band doing our thing. Um, nice. And then I think in two thousand five six, maybe um, we went into the studio like. And started working on a record like flicker started footing the bill for us to work on our first record without any contracts or anything um yeah which was not smart (laughs) on their part i guess i guess maybe they just felt good vibes and we felt good vibes from them too and so um yeah that was like our when we started working on our first record the land of fake belief um yeah and then so that's kind of how we ended up there. And then I think later that year, they ended up selling Flickr to Sony. And that's how we ended up kind of being upstreamed or sidestreamed or, or whatever that was. <laughs> yeah,
0: Weird. Yeah, I mean, that's a... Uh, I, I, I grew up in central Pennsylvania. I'm in Rochester, New York now, but I grew up in central PA. So uh, last Tuesday was very much a part of... Uh,
2: Oh hell yeah!
0: Yeah, so like I, I you know, they they played in my friend's backyard, and actually, I had I had Carl, I had Carl on the podcasts. Uh, wow, that was maybe back in March uh, oh, wow. of this past year, and I mean, he's I mean, he's been living in China, and so he had that. You know, if if you're interested at all, that that podcast came out really great because he was talking a lot about. This was like right before you know the pandemic really hit here in the US and
2: right um, right
0: so yeah he's uh, you know i've known carl for a long time so um you yeah, know very very familiar with last tuesday and those guys were some like serious road dogs
2: oh my god yes yeah yeah it was it was an absolute lifestyle for them i feel like they like the way that they did their band compared to us was like um you know we, like, we were kind of showing up with a with a camper mm-hmm. you know air conditioning <laughs> things like that <laughs> and they were just like no we don't even need tents we'll sleep under the stars and that this was like their whole i don't know it seemed like that was their mantra like they were just so badass yeah at doing the band thing and like plugging away and making it happen so
0: yeah that's that's awesome. Um... Yeah, so, you guys, you know, put out the record on Flickr, and then, you know, Sony, and so, you know, what was the kind of catalyst for, because I know you guys did a lot, you did some stuff in Japan, um, and wasn't there, like, a, a Radio Disney connection or something like that that happened at one point?
2: Yeah, um, so, so yeah, like, we did, we did our first record, and then about, gosh, I don't know, we did this big... Like tour with Super Chick to promote it and then when we got off that tour we got a call from Will in Audio A and he was like hey so like pop punk records usually have a pretty quick burn time Mm -hmm. and we're kind of happy with what your first record did and we really want to go ahead and start working on the second one so um, we uh, immediately started like writing you know demoing stuff out and kind of moving into uh, work mode, (laughs) and I think with that record, it was just like, we were kind of still sort of finding our sound, but I was definitely wanting to sort of incorporate a lot more synthesizers and interesting textures and kind of fun bits and stuff in there. I was also like a huge New Wave fan, Mm -hmm. Um, so I got like super into 80s synth pop and and new wave and all of that stuff and i've always wanted to sort of mesh those two things together so i told them when we first started on that working on that record i was like "Yeah, i really want this to kind of be this other thing and that i feel like for some reason that approach there were also a lot of other bands that were kind of taking that approach around that same time and it sort of ended up becoming this like neon punk genre yeah <laughs> of like we're just we're pop punk with synthesizers and drum machines and samples and all kinds of that stuff and and it was really cool but even that kind of like weirded them out a little bit like they weren't really sure i think that there were bands that were doing really well at the time uh within that industry like hawk nelson Mm -hmm. um and so you know whenever you're in a, a genre that's that tiny people are always looking at the the bands that are selling the most records in there and trying to just like copy that so it's it's this really sort of incestuous um (laughs) kind of (laughs) subculture to be a part of because it's like you're a you're a subgenre within a subgenre and within that you know people are are just looking at this kind of false glass ceiling of what of what's selling just within this small market and i think we were like hey but like there's this whole other world of people out there like we don't have to just like we don't have to Christian Christianify everything that we're doing. We don't have to like tone everything down. We can yeah. we can take some chances and take some risks and um and kind of see where it goes from there. Yeah. So <clears throat> but that was cool because I feel like all the risks that we took on that record didn't necessarily pay off in the States, but because we were on Sony there was uh there were some people from the Sony Japan office who would come into town. And they had somehow came across our record and they were like, Hey, we think this would be really cool. Can we release it in Japan? And so all of a sudden that just turned into this like whirlwind of like, Oh, we're, we're going and playing festivals in Japan. Now we're doing this whole Japan tour and we started charting on the radio wow. in Japan, like next to Avril Lavigne. And so, but we're not experiencing any of this, stateside. It's kind of like (laughs) you have this really cool artistic moment that you don't really get to be a part of. Yeah. (laughs) Because it's it's happening on the other side of the planet. Um, But it was great (laughs) because we we got to go over there and tour. And I think that was our I feel like we we felt like that was where we wanted to be. Like that was the Mm. place where we were Um, artistically and probably theologically, you know, like we were even, even that early on in our career, I think we were really done <clears throat> with, like, the whole, like, Christian thing. I, I think that we didn't quite see a point in, like, constantly trying to sanitize our, our music or our art or our thoughts yeah. um, for people. Because we were like, well, this is just being dishonest like I don't think this is a virtue it's not virtuous that we're (laughs) just continuing to regurgitate the same bullshit over and over again and like what does it really mean and and how is it really affecting culture and we're also getting all of these experiences with churches all around the U.S. that was just eye-opening like you know there's so much toxic culture within church culture And when you're a band, you kind of see all of it, and everybody's always asking you to sort of defend your faith. And you've always got to be put, it's like they put you on this pedestal, but they're ready to take you, like, kick you off of it (laughs) at any moment if you say the wrong thing, or you have the wrong ideas about God, or you don't give them all of the Christian answers that they're looking for. So, yeah, yeah, that was like the probably the beginning of of the disillusionment, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) yeah.
0: Yeah, uh, I was gonna say I'm just thinking about uh, you know you guys being like Jesse and the Rippers. Uh,
2: <laughs> oh my God, not nearly as hot <laughs> <laughs> or talented. <laughs>
0: oh man, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, any you know any you know interesting weird stories from your time in in Japan. I mean, I just, it's such a I mean, obviously, it's literally a foreign world to me. But uh, you know, uh, you know, it's such a different culture. Um, you know, any you know kind of culture clashes or um, you know what was you know, yeah. Sorry, I'm like just.
2: No, they they gave us uh, they gave us cultural sensitivity training before we before we oh, wow. um, which we I, I think we probably ignored all of it. Um, it. It it was it was little things like <clears throat> like in Japan you never directly say no to someone.
1: Mm.
2: Somebody asks you a question and the answer is is no. You would you would phrase that in a, in more of a passive way, mm. like th- like thank you so much, I- I'll be fine, um, or you know things like that. Which I feel like C- Caleb and I were really good about doing, but but John was not not so much. <laughs> there was a couple times where we would be in production meetings and stuff and and there would be a lapse in communication or we we're trying to say something you know back and forth through a translator and the translator would translate something from from the japanese guys who were doing the production and we would we would notice that something had gotten lost in there and our drummer would just immediately kind of blurt out, you know, no, 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 no. And we were all just kind of like looking around like, it was, that was rule number one at sensitivity training. You, you don't say no to these people. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it was, it was cool because we got to play with all these bands that we really wanted to be playing with, like uh, Newfound Glory and oh, Superhead, and uh, yeah. So at 311, like, mm. Being able to share the stage with them and, and not have it be about um, about faith or, you know, propping up some sort of evangelical agenda. It was just all, like, we're yeah. here and people are into our music. And Japan is not a super Christian nation to begin with, so yeah. they didn't give a shit that we were a Christian band. You know, like, they didn't know that we were on a Christian label.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, and there was something really freeing about that. Yeah. And. Because it was just we just are who we are right here, and we're just being we're just sharing these moments with people that aren't predicated on uh, on anything yeah. other than just having fun. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah.
0: Cool. That it, it was it was am I incorrect that there was like a Radio Disney thing that that was going on at some point too? Yeah,
2: we had we had a <laughs> few songs get picked up by Radio Disney, and I think we ended up writing like a Christmas song. For them, And that was, like, a – that was a big thing for us. I mean, it was cool, but we, we were also, like, much younger at the time. We're still in our early 20s, so we, yeah. we still kind of felt weird about being <laughs> a part of the Radio Disney. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> we kind of felt a little bit older than everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was, like – yeah, it was paying the bills. <laughs> so yeah,
0: you, we yeah,
2: we kind of we just kind of went with it, and that was like by the time we get around to like our third record, it was very much like oh let's let's write let's try to write some things that would work really well in this format. So mm. that's how we ended up with songs like Evil Genius and um, just really quirky, over the top, odd pop songs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> on that record. Yeah.
0: So what what was uh kind of the story with because i you know uh that records adventures in evil and you guys you you was that the first release on rock candy uh
2: no it was just I was just a regular independent release i think that our yeah we were with toby max management company at the time and it was like that that was that was weird uh, cause we, we needed management to kind of still be able to stay within that Nashville circle of people. And yeah. we weren't really sure what we wanted to do with the rest of our career, but we felt like we had like some promising forward motion that was happening if, if the right person were to come along and be able to wrangle it. And yeah. so, yeah, but it, even, even with them, you know, it was kind of like, Hey, just, just play, play the game do the Christian thing, you know, it was, it was a very, like, Toby Mac-esque way of, of looking at, <laughs> at the world. <laughs> yeah. Which we just weren't, we weren't gonna ever be on board with. Um, yeah. So, cool.
0: Yeah. Um, I was just, I was just curious, because I'm, you know, I'm looking at it on, on my, uh, Apple Music, and it says Rock Candy. Um, so, I mean, I, I, Oh. yeah. Um, so what was oh, kind of,
2: oh, yeah, 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 sorry. So, so that, so it, it was originally released independently and then we ended up getting all of the rights back oh, cool. from them. Like maybe two or three years ago. Yeah. And and then and then we re released it. Thank you for reminding me of that. <laughs> oh it's all it's all good. Was that was that just Here's
0: <laughs> Was that just like um did the, the deal with Sony uh was that just did it just end or did you guys get, get dropped or? Um, so
2: the deal with Sony, we actually, we put out two more records on Sony Japan. So Adventures of Evil came out in Japan, and then the next record, Sugar Fist, came out in yeah. Japan, um, but just was released independently here. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So that was that was kind of how that worked. Yeah,
0: that's so strange.
2: Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it was bizarre, because we, we kind of went from, you know, labels giving us lots of... Uh, well relative to now lots of money for promotion yeah um and hiring really great pr companies and then all of a sudden we're we're kind of in this space of like oh my god how do we even let people know that we have new music out because <laughs> uh, we've historically been pretty awful at, at social media and doing that sort of stuff and um i just don't i don't like what it does to my brand i don't like thinking about clicks and views and influence and all those different, I feel like it takes all the joy out of it for me. Mm-hmm. So, um, so yeah, we've just tried to, we tried to find other ways of engaging people. And a lot of that has just been like, Oh no, well, we'll just kind of hole up and, and work on a record. Like we're, or we'll work on a video or we'll work on the podcast stuff and yeah. sort of be more concerned with like creating content that we feel really proud of than just kind of like, oh my God, check out what I'm eating, you know, or like, look at this puppy pit, uh, sort of a thing, which it's, it's not even true. Cause I still post pictures of puppies. I love it. <laughs> yeah. I think you get the, the general gist of it for sure. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's interesting. I, I had a, I had a job interview yesterday with a, you know, a, like selling insurance, which is not really, it's not really, I'm not going to do that job, but, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking for work, so I'm just kind of taking an interview. And the guy yeah. spent a lot of time talking about like, like per, you know your you know being worried and concerned about your personal brand, and I was just like, it's stuff like people talk about it in music, and then it's weird to see that language kind of cross over into like, you know, into like business world as well.
2: Yeah, or into people who are who are not doing something you know it specifically on a public platform. Yeah, like it. Yeah, I, de- I definitely think there was a time where we, we kind of, like, ventured into that and started to really, like, wonder what Eleven Eleventy's brand was. And and we had a lot of those conversations, you know, like, what do we really stand for? What's going on here? You know, with and honestly, man, that's just, I feel like that's all of just another manifestation of ego. It's just mm-hmm. another thing to protect and to insulate and, and to make happen. And if I were doing something like selling coffee... Or, or knickknacks or t-shirts or you know what I mean or that, that was my thing I, I totally can understand that but for for us and for me personally in the band it was like it, it's always going to be so interconnected with me personally and I don't like thinking about myself as a brand I don't like yeah. the commodification of mankind and yeah. I don't yeah I feel like those thought patterns can be really Destructive and, and counterproductive to just creating, creating art and taking chances and taking risks with yourself um, on the things that you want to talk about or the things that you want to explore about yourself and others yeah. in the world.
0: Yeah, it's it's you know strange how that's such a like a huge you know thing in you know mainstream culture now is you know personal branding and I mean I'm sure it's always been, but it seems like we're in such a celebrity driven, you know, Instagram influencer weird time. Right. Um, but yeah, that was also kind of a bunny trail, but whatever. Um, so so you put out you put out those two records uh, independently here in the US and then and on Sony in Japan. Um, and then you know, did you guys kind of did you call it a day after Sugar Fist as far as or was it, you know, just kind of you know how how did that work? Was that kind of a decision as a band to be like, oh, we're gonna we're gonna be done, or is that just kind of how it how it went?
2: Uh, I I think it was just all, you know, spending that many years on the road, trying to make it work, experiencing all the setbacks, like um, experiencing all this like weird sort of religious trauma mm. everywhere that you go. I think we were just burned out on it and everybody was kind of putting their lives on hold for this dream that we're like, you know, maybe this is maybe there are other things to dream about. Yeah. <laughs> like maybe maybe it's it's okay for us to put this aside and to not take it so seriously and to just move on with our lives. And we were also, you know, over the years we had kind of become a little bit standoffish with each other and sort mm. of resentful because, you know, you get to see the, the best and the worst in people over time and, and all of your yeah. neuroses, especially under stress and, and being gone and, and being put in stressful situations over and over and over again. You know, we had, we had fights and and outbursts and awful things that we said to each other and <laughs> that we felt about each other. Yeah. Um, and, So I I think after Sugar Fist happened we we toured Japan one more time. Mm -hmm. Um, we had we had a really cool run with the cab there and it was a it was a fun experience and I think when we came back we were just like, Okay, I'm not not really sure where we want to go from here. And then I think yeah, the very last show that Eleven D played was actually in Germany a Mm -hmm. few months after that and it was just in this massive cathedral in in the middle of some uh (laughs) place, some town in germany was absolutely gorgeous and, and beautiful and um i just remember us all kind of standing on stage and and we're just sort of looking at each other and it looks like we're having fun like we're going through the motions of being a rock band and entertaining a crowd and pulling everybody in and doing it but we just we felt it yeah all at the same time like something's gone like something's not right. Something is is missing. It felt vacuous. And so when we came back from that, we were just like, okay, we're done. Yeah. So while while that's all happening, we're working on like a series of EPs. I think we did like three EPs after uh, after Sugarfist. One of them was Attack of the Mountain Medley. Just like this complete joke EP <laughs> that we came up with. And. We just thought, well, let's just put out like a folk Americana sounding record, and so that ended up being those five songs on that record, and um, that to this day is like our most streamed uh, music that we've, wow. that we've ever created <laughs> that we we made in an attic in a barn with a $200 microphone <laughs> and Pro Tools, and um, yeah, I I don't I still to this day don't know why people like that as much as people stream that as much as they do because it's such an odd thing it's not reflective at all of like what we yeah you know, what we normally do or what we as a band are sonically about but there again is like the what, what is our brand who gives a shit yeah like you know I, I i love that record i think it's really cool um and i'm very grateful that <laughs> people yeah. stream it yeah
0: that's awesome uh so you know when Eleventy, you kind of wrap that up. Um, so I guess now is a good time to kind of talk about um, Rock Candy, what what that is, and I guess, and we can talk about Jelly Rocks too.
2: Um, yeah. So so Rock Candy originally just kind of started out as we when we started putting out music independently, we just needed a label name mm-hmm. to start putting it out under. And so that kind of grew into us. Um, you know. Record like all while 11D is happening, I'm kind of getting a, a a production bug, where I'm producing for other bands and co-writing with other bands and sort of working on building my own home studio setup and uh, yeah. So after 11D ended, I ended up going um, back to school, finishing my degree, and then getting a job as a professor at a college <laughs> teaching wow. music production and. Started doing that, and things things got super crazy at, at the college. They had a new president come in. He completely cleaned house. It was very much like religious nationalism. Mm. Huge sweeping motion of like, you know, either you believe this way about gays, or there's the door uh. sort of situation. And so I ended up losing my job there, and at the same time, we ended up moving. And so um, I... We ended up moving to another part of North Carolina, just outside of Asheville, and opened up a new studio, started producing for more and more bands. Um, I do a ton of mix work for, <laughs> for bands now. Uh, we've done stuff for Netflix. We do a lot of like music beds right. and things like that. So I feel like my journey throughout the music industry has, has become this sort of like complete scattershot you know, of <laughs> experience uh, that I really... That, I don't know, I'm, I'm really enjoying it right now. I can't imagine it any other way. I'm feeling like I'm so much happier being here and, and working with bands, helping bands sort of realize their creative visions or helping give them advice on how to navigate you know moving forward within the music industry and um, yeah. I, people send me like people send me record contracts to look at, you know, I don't know, probably a couple times a month. Uh, for people just you know with licensing deals or seeing yeah. deals and things like that and so I'm able to demystify a lot of those things and it's all because you know we didn't have money to pay for lawyers when we were coming up and so yeah. um, I learned production because we didn't have the money to pay for for producers to do everything we yeah. needed them to do um, so yeah it's I don't know it's been it, it's been a really fun ride so far and I'm, I'm really enjoying it
0: yeah that's that's awesome uh, so how did, how did, you know, doing stuff with Netflix, what, uh, what can I put on this afternoon that's, uh, I'll hear some of your work on?
2: Um, <laughs> so something that you can get to pretty quickly is this show called Terrace House. Um, and they've used, uh, D songs for, uh, two of their seasons. Oh, nice. For, for like the, the theme song. It's like in Japan, they use a Taylor Swift song. <laughs> in, the, That's... in the rest of the world they use an D seven
0: the tables have so,
2: turned yeah yeah so there's that and then you know rock ultimately started getting into podcasting and so yeah. when i started figuring out how to do everything with eleven D life and took a deep dive into the podcast world that all of a sudden kind of attracted other like-minded creators and um and so now it's you know it's growing to include the the magnified pod guys and yeah. the um, the common creatives guys, and yeah, they're just it, that's been a really cool thing, too. Of having something that's not as musical and <laughs> having friends where it's like you know, you're not spending all of your time talking about studio gear or editing techniques, or yeah. <laughs>
0: you
2: know, just kind of like stick your head out of the hole every once in a while,
0: yeah. Um, uh, so, I mean, I mean, and I you know, Jelly Rocks, that's that's just you, correct.
2: Yeah, so when D broke up, I kind of like super poured myself into doing Jolly Rock stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I loved it. It was just, it was an excuse for me to kind of keep writing pop songs and playing around with synthesizers. yeah. And, and that, was, that was really fun. But it was also like very lonely, mm-hmm. um, like doing the one-man band thing and not really having like an awesome support system around you. Uh, it's difficult. It's like it's super hard. And I think yeah. whenever we started looking at possibly making another eleven D record, we were very cognizant that we wanted everything to feel super like relationship first. You know, yeah. we're like, let's just let's just have fun. If it starts to not feel fun, um, fuck it, we're out. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. yeah.
0: So how did you know? So how you know what was the catalyst for, um, you know, coming back together to do rad science?
2: Um, so I, th- I think, you know, I had, I had started producing for Davey's band at the time. He was in a band called the revelry. And so we kind of started spending time with each other in a way that we hadn't before. Mm-hmm. And I think, whereas in D it was always like, Matt's, Matt's constantly doing everything and he's micromanaging everything and he's really hard to work with, he's hard to collaborate with because you know he doesn't use a lot of other people's ideas mm-hmm. and, and all of that. And then in this instance, it was like the roles got completely reversed and I was able to be like, hey, I just want, I just want to make your record, I just want to make your ideas work as yeah. well as they possibly can. And so it was that sort of shift in thinking that I feel like, just gave us a completely different friendship and mindset. Um, Davey actually lives just a few doors down from us Oh right. Yeah, so like we ended up moving to the same town together, um, and that was really cool. And our our old drummer John, you know, he's he just put out a new record uh, that he that well that yeah that I produced here, and it's just I think it's cool. Like everybody has their own creative outlet. Yeah. And. I'm able to pour into everybody else in a way that that I I hope to them feels very satiating and and fun and encouraging I think we're all fans of each other as people now yeah and and that makes for a completely different quality of of life (laughs) and of friendship (laughs) so nice
0: uh so you know you did rad science and that that had you know some elements of you know, kind of the full band and kind of back to the full, like the pop punk stuff, you know, influence in there. Um, and then with Bad Glitches, you know, that's pretty much all electronic. What, you know, kind of what changed there? Um, were the other guys involved with, with Bad Glitches or was that mostly you? Um, I guess I've been under operating under the assumption that it was mostly you just because it is so electronics based.
2: Yeah, it it is, Um, I think with, I think when we were doing Rad Science, you know, it was very much like all hands on deck, constantly sending mp3s and stuff back to each other and coming up with ideas and a lot of time spent in the studio uh, tracking stuff together, Um, our our old drummer Jonathan, who I was talking about earlier, he had actually like damaged his uh, wrist. (laughs) I don't remember how, but it was like, it was a ridiculous (laughs) way that he damaged his wrist, um, and so we had another friend, Mike, come in and do drums. But John was in the studio the whole time, so you know he's like giving input and everything. It felt it felt pretty collaborative. Yeah. Um, and then I think when Basic Glitches rolled around, you know we we had a bunch of deaths in our families, and mm. um, everything was was getting to be sort of stressful for everybody personally at the time. And so I just. I just kind of holed up in the studio and just kept uh, working on that record until I felt like, Oh, okay. Now I've got, I've got something now I've got like 10 songs I'm happy with that feel cohesive. And um, yeah, but it's, it, it it was, it was, it was me. Um, All all of the basic glitches stuff was just, I I don't know, it's a very neurotic way of working, you Mm. know, just kind of like being down in the studio and, and doing two or three seconds of something, um, and then moving it around, chopping it up, uh, using analog synthesizers that are like constantly going out of tune or being super glitchy. And, um, so it was, I feel like I, I, I made it a little harder on myself than, than maybe I should have, but I felt like there was a specific sound I was going after. And the only way to kind of get that was to sort of put in that experimentation. Yeah. With that record. Um,
0: yeah, were the other guys just kind of cool with it, kind of moving to being a you know being your being me being more of your baby for that record? I mean, you said they're all kind of playing in other bands too, so um, were were they you know down with you using the name for that as opposed to releasing it as a Jelly Rocks record?
2: Oh yeah, I mean, I don't think anybody feels um, I don't think anybody feels like a specific kind of ownership over. 11 7 even me mm-hmm. um but having said that you know like i i i do get i am the guy like putting in most of the time to make it sound the way that i want to and i think yeah. everybody's like oh it's matt's vision like let matt drive the boat kind of a thing and so yeah with with that record or specifically it was just it was just a lot of me down in the studio yeah. Goofing off or <laughs> experimenting with stuff and trying to put it together, um, but it, it was it was also the record where I just didn't give a shit anymore. I, I was mm-hmm. going through all of this like therapy and um, really doing my best to sort of un to undo this like knot uh, of my of my life or of my past and and really digging into all of the weird religious. Stuff you know mm-hmm. that I grew up with and that we experienced in the band, and uh, a lot of soul searching to kind of figure out where I am now and and what I think about things. And so lyrically, like it was a really, I feel like it was a really hard record to do. Yeah, you know, there some days where I was just kind of be down in the studio writing, you know, or doing just freeform writing or thinking and thoughts about what I wanted to say and what what these songs needed to be about and. Mm. I would just cry, you know, I would just yeah. spend days, days at a time, just sort of plumbing the depths, <laughs> I reckon, <laughs> and in a way that I that I never had before, mm-hmm. um, and, and not that that means everybody should listen to it, or that it's better than anything else, it was just for me, that was part of my journey, um, that I'll always, that record will always probably mean the most to me, because... It kind of felt like, oh yeah, I'm ready to take all the chances. I'm ready to say all the things, and it just—it is what it is, and I'm gonna move on with my life, you know.
0: Yeah, it—it it really felt like the gloves were kind of off. Like it was, uh, you know, just, just gonna deal with it all.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's like it's harsh and it's it's angry. Um, It's—I uh, don't want to say vengeful. It's like I wanted very much to sort of chronicle how how I was feeling, like the, like when you sort of come to an understanding about yourself, and you, and you feel like you, you know, have all these emotions, like, why did this happen to me? Or um, what, why was I lied to about these things? Why were there so many, like, adult figures in my life that were propagating uh, these, these thoughts, and these, these ways of viewing the world that ultimately led to me developing, you know, a, a very high level of anxiety about just, being alive and you kind of start to you start going through all of that and sifting through the weeds you find that there, you go through a phase where there's so many people that you're upset with that you're angry with there's so many people that you just want to be like fuck that yeah <laughs> like, like i never want to do that to anybody else i always want to be able to have the empathy to show other people where, wherever they are in their search or their journey specifically when it comes to things of a spiritual nature. Um, so yeah, I. It, it's definitely a snapshot of probably my, my angriest, <laughs> my angriest moments by myself.
0: Yeah, was it? Was there a? You know, I I know you were saying, you know, obviously, and you know, collectively over the years, there being, you know, frustrations with with the church and with that culture. Was there a? You know, a kind of a catalyst that kind of really pushed it, um, to that to that point um, where you were. Um, and, you know, where you were when you were writing that or it's just kind of a build up over time.
2: I mean, it's a really slow burn. Yeah. Uh, it's a Slow burn over years and years. And finally, you start to look at your life and you're like, oh, my God, this this, this slow burn is turned into a flame. And it's like yeah. damaging yeah. everything. It's hindering my ability to relate to other people. It's hindering my ability to be present in my relationships with others it's making the artistic process um that used to bring me so much joy and so much life you know feel overwhelming Mm -hmm. now and and feel like god i don't even know if i like music anymore i like part (laughs) of that is just sort of being a temperamental uh artist or songwriter or, or whatever you want to call people that make music um you're constantly going back and forth between yes this is amazing the world needs to hear this and then 10 minutes later you're like oh god this is (laughs) delete um but yeah and and i i really like searching for the balance in those two things Mm -hmm. you know being able to come to terms with all the different things that you're feeling no matter how big they are not trying to fight your feelings or desires or thoughts that you have about things, but be willing to sit down and be kind to them, Mm
1: -hmm.
2: you know, even being kind to your anger, Yeah, Um, being kind to all the different feelings that you feel and giving them space, giving them time to sort of say what they need to say. If you have a partner or you have a friend who's upset with you, you don't, you don't continue on in that relationship, you know, Never addressing any of the issues and thinking that that's going to be okay, or, or mm-hmm. discrediting them, you know, or saying you shouldn't feel that way, mm-hmm. or you know, it's it's ridiculous for you to think or feel these things. You sit down and you have a conversation with them about it, you yeah. know, and you lend you lend credence and credibility to whatever they're experiencing at the time, regardless of how true or false it might be. Yeah. Um, and that's the that's the greater truth is the empathy for thought, you know, and for process.
0: Yeah. That. awesome well i mean i i i love the record you know it's it's going to be in my you know i we i always do a, a, a top 10 uh list uh with some other buddies of mine on the podcast and i you know little sneak peek uh that record is definitely going to get mentioned on there for me um you know i don't want to take up too much of your time i know we've already been chatting for over an hour uh, but I did want to touch on, if you've got a little bit of time, touch on uh, uh, the fast feeling and how that came about. And uh, yeah, you know, if you have a few a few more minutes, that would be awesome.
2: Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for including that record. Um, thank you for listening to it. <laughs> yeah. And Thank you so much for your kind words that you sent me initially about it. That was. Um, I feel like the. The longer that I'm that I'm alive, the more I tend to appreciate uh, just the fact that time is really precious and valuable. And so, whenever I come across something that I feel like affects me yeah. in some way, I I try to be really good about writing whoever it was, and just like saying, "Hey, I really really appreciate what you said or what you did." Really resonated uh, with me, because I feel like that just puts so much goodness back into the world. It's a really small way of just saying, "I see you." Yeah. And uh, I really appreciate that from you, Adam. So thank you. Thank you so much for sharing that with me because it was it was quite quite toasty. <laughs>
0: awesome. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And, I, and like I said, I mean, I, I, you know, I've got a very, you know, I, without the uh, the touring and all that, my experience with with church and with music and. All of that, I, you know, have a lot of parallels, so I, you know, resonated very, you know, very deeply with, you know, kind of talking about deconstruction. I know that's like, like the term deconstruction is even kind of overdone right now and everyone's kind of dealing with it. But I, you know, I think it's good. I think that we're all kind of dealing with all of the, the shit from, um, you know, trying to, trying to sort out like what was good and positive about the, you know, Growing up in evangelical culture, and then like you know, figuring out what to do with the rest of it. So, um,
2: you know, the weird thing about that is, and I, I, I promise I'll talk about fast feeling stuff. Oh yeah, <laughs> I did figure your question, but I, you know, when I zoom out of all of that, I also think, as as damaging and hurtful as that is, and how, you know, I feel like every generation has their own. Set of shit that they have to deal with, and in some weird fucked up way, I feel really grateful to have been a part of that subculture because mm-hmm. now, you know, I'm talking to people like you uh, via podcasting, and I I end up having this conversation with people probably two or three times a week, mm-hmm. whether it's on the podcast or just with friends or people that will reach out, and it's like how beautiful of a thing that we we were given this thing that although it it feels very nefarious and damaging now that it's also a connector for all of us that we have these yeah. very specific cultural touchstones that you know we can all kind of come back to and we get to turn all of those things into hugs now yeah. for each other you know they give us just a, a very easy inroad to empathy for, for everybody else, because we know what it was like to grow up in, in a repressive, <laughs> spiritually repressive yeah. culture. Um, so yeah, so in some weird way, I, I feel grateful for it, and I feel like that, that's how I, I would like to continue. Yeah,
0: <laughs> to I mean, and, and I, you know, for me, I mean, I even kind of look at it as, you know, and I still I still identify as Christian, but not evangelical. Um, but I mean, kind of looking back, I mean, it's, it's crazy too now because like, you know, we're close to the same age, like the world is so different now as Mm -hmm. to like, at the time, like that was like those bands from that world were, you know, really were my gateway into, you know, the world of music and DIY and punk rock, uh, things that really shaped, you know, who I am as a person. Um, and so in that way, I'm. I'm thankful for that whole weird subculture because it, you know, it, it brought me into a different, you know, weird subculture that has, you know, very much shaped my worldview. And, um, you know, and and as a, as a segue to talking about, you know, five iron and the fast feeling is, you know, and, and I, I actually said this on another, on another podcast episode, but five irons lyrics were so impactful to me uh, yeah. as a kid where like they're, you know, I'm growing up in super conservative central Pennsylvania and they're, you know, talking about, you know, racial injustice when it comes to indigenous people. And they're talking about, uh, you know, about, you know, the dangers of, of nationalism. So like, you know, and I, you know, I know from your, what you were saying, you know, they were an important band to you as you were younger. Yeah. So uh, you know, it must have been a super awesome experience to get to work together with those people um, with the fast feeling.
2: Yeah, it was it was super cool. Um, I, so I, I ended up meeting Reese at this festival called Soulfest mm-hmm. up in New England. And we kind of started, you know, emailing back and forth and sending each other demos. And we thought, well, let's start this band. Mm-hmm. And so that band ended up being Uh, this band that never did anything called Full Party Death Machine Um, so like we we started working on the record kind of got into the home stretch of making that record and then things kind of fell apart and then maybe like nine months after that uh, Scott starts sending me demos that he's been working on with Andy and Leonor and he's like hey what do you you think about these songs and I was like dude I think they're really cool like I'd love to work on something like this and then that kind of turned into us just doing a bunch of collaborating uh flights you know from Asheville to to Colorado mm-hmm. and um it was kind of fun because at the time you know Scott was like if we're going to work on this record I really want to like build a studio in my basement and now mm-hmm. like Scott has a super badass studio that <laughs> nice. they just made the the new five iron record in yeah um, yeah and that was it was amazing because I love I love Scott he's He's such a, a prolific writer. He has such an amazing musical mind and brain, and I can't say enough good things about collaborating with them. I feel like he and I are both like kind of of a similar temperament for, for collaboration because we're we're willing to explore all the thoughts and kind of put everything on the table and in a way that's like, oh no, we're just we're just doing it free form. It doesn't. I don't feel like I'm in. Uh, in muddy waters of offending him if I don't like something or yeah. if it needs to go in another direction I think we trust each other in that way uh to kind of let everything ride as it needs to and then if it really feels like something's going off the rails one of us will speak up and say hey I don't I don't really agree with that mm-hmm. um but yeah that was that was amazing and being able to work with with Leonore you know like she's such an amazing personality I've zero idea. I mean she's like if a red bull can came to life uh <laughs> that's that's her um and being able to meet Andy you know like Andy and I will still still text yeah every once in a while and share inappropriate memes with each other and uh it, it's really great like it was a super super fun thing that we were all able to do and I I loved the collaboration um with all of that. But, you know, like, they also, they had been in a band with each other for years and years. Yeah. so They kind of have their own set of of things that they uh, sort of default to. They have their own sort of interpersonal dealings with each other, mm-hmm. you know, and a lot of history that informs that. So um, a lot of times you can, you can sort of feel like an outsider on some of that, which is also fine because I don't, like, I'm happy to just have my shit yeah. <laughs> and not everybody else's. <laughs> yeah, but they were fantastic, and I love how that record turned out. I was so yeah. proud of everybody's work on that because I think that they did such great work, and, yeah, it was a great experience.
0: Awesome. Yeah, I know that the uh, the Magnified Pod guys have talked about, you know, wanting there be wanting to hear those songs live or uh, or a dance party <laughs> or something, and, you know, at least... You know, this isn't exactly that, but I'm definitely, you know, I'm I'm getting married in a year, and we have...
2: Congratulations! Thanks,
0: man. Yeah, so, and we've definitely put uh, a fast-feeling song or two on our reception playlist, so uh, there will at least be... I'll I'll try to get some video of when that happens to send to you guys uh, of a a good fast-feeling dance party happening.
2: Oh, I love thinking about being there in spirit on your big
0: day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's uh, you know, we might might be throwing I might throw a little '77 stuff in there too. We'll we'll see don't, how it goes. Don't
2: don't ruin the playlist. <laughs> Come on, get it together, Kramer. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh man. So what? I mean, it's you know, obviously the natural thing to ask when you do a podcast like this is. You know, so what comes next? And usually, there's touring, and there's you know big plans for re- releasing new music, and but the world is insane right now, so it's yeah. you know the question doesn't always translate as well. But uh, you know, I'll ask anyway. What what are your plans uh, moving forward um, with 117 and with you know your other projects? And do you have any big plans? And how is you know, how has all of, sorry, I, I'm like, I didn't have it, I just like throw out like a series of okay. questions all at once, but, uh and you know, yeah. how has, how has this whole, the pandemic impacted you, you creatively, and, and how have you been spending your time?
2: Well, we had a Japan tour booked for spring this year, oh, wow. and so that, that happened at the exact same time that like, shit hit the fan with COVID. Yeah um specifically in like china korea japan um so so that was that got taken off the table um i think there was probably a good you know two months at the beginning of the pandemic where it was just a lot of netflix a lot of like pacing around (laughs) the studio like what what do we do how do we pivot what's going on and then it was like a lot of us just kind of woke up and just started working yeah so i've finished up a a B-Sides EP that's coming out November 6th of like all the songs that didn't make it onto Basic Glitches. Nice. Um, So yeah, we did that. We just put out a new single a few weeks ago called Mm Hellmouth. So that was cool. You know, and because of COVID like nobody's doing anything so we were actually able to do our first collaboration with an artist here in Asheville uh, called Spaceman Jones. Mm -hmm. It's just like absolutely sick. And so so that was cool, and then everybody else, you know, was working on records and stuff. So I ended up mixing a whole lot of records for people during the pandemic, uh, you know, which which was great because there are a lot of people that were just completely out of work. And yeah, um, so we just really really dug into okay, we're going to start onboarding more podcasts. We're going to start tightening up some of the podcast production and stuff that we're doing with Rock Candy we're going we're gonna to be reaching out to other artists and see if there's ways that we can help, you know, via the studio or different services and stuff that we have. Just mm-hmm. like trying in the best way that we can to sort of reinforce a, a communal and community aspect uh, for musicians like in our area or in our friend groups mm-hmm. as much as we can. And so that was it. Um, and then I think, yeah, so November we'll have that EP come out. Or actually, this 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 weekend. Oh, <laughs> I'm yeah. talking to you in November. I have no concept <laughs> of time. Uh, so that'll come out, and we have a, a newfound glory cover that's coming out um, on Pacific Ridge Records. Oh, I nice. Think. I think that's the name of it. <laughs> I'm so awful with this stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, but that's coming out in December. So I mean, like 2020 has just kind of been like the year of new 11d tunes and yeah just high-fiving and and hugging each other the best that we can yeah you know with masks on <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so, so and I guess we'll see you know whatever happens next for it. I think as soon as it starts to feel like it's okay to tour again we'll probably look into doing shows because we really we weren't big touring people to begin with yeah. at least over the past like, five years but now it's kind of like oh god I really miss everybody and yeah I want to see some people (laughs) yeah
0: it's it's been you know strange because I I mean I had you know it's been a a while since I've been in a band that's like played out but I've been you know booking DIY shows that the church that I was involved with uh, had a community space where we were you know booking some pretty big DIY shows and I was kind of doing that so it's weird because now it's like i have all these friends that i would see regularly ish from touring um and then i had like stepped away from that kind of ended and now it's then the pandemic happened so i'm like oh i miss like all of my friends that i'm normally seeing like you know yeah every you know fairly often because they travel through often so it's you know interesting even on the uh even on the opposite side where i'm not traveling but i'm you know I've often been interacting with people who are.
2: Yeah, of course. Well, I, I, I hope that all the good things get sent your way. And <laughs> Thanks, man. That you're, you're able to see all the best people. <laughs> Thanks, man.
0: Uh, well, I mean, I don't, I said this a while ago, but I don't want to take up too much of your time. I'm sure you have other things to do today. Um, but uh, thank you so much for hanging out and, you know, telling me a little bit about uh, your story. And I'm, pretty stoked to hear the the ep that's gonna drop this weekend
2: thank you adam you're such a sweetheart and, <laughs> thanks, and a man. lovely a lovely companion for being <laughs> a podcast <laughs> thanks man well
0: it's you know like i said it's uh you know great to meet you it's been it's been fun because uh you know when covid started uh, this it hasn't been exclusively a, a local podcast um yeah. but just kind of that's naturally how it goes because the best way to do it you know, ideally, it's like I have I have some friends come over or a friend come over to record. We have a few beers, like we're hanging out in person, <laughs> and then. It, but uh, you know, you know that's the ideal scenario is you know you're just hanging out and yeah. So when COVID started, I was like, well, I'm gonna just start kind of reaching out to people because I can't really have you know, you know people aren't gonna leave their houses. So it's been exciting and fun to kind of reach out to people that are really all over the place, because I mean, I had, you know, just, yeah, I've got friends all over from touring, and then I've reached out to some other artists that I, you know, like you, and I had Leonor on the podcast a while back as well, yeah. so it's been, it's been super fun.
2: That's awesome, dude. Well, thank you for having me. I've, I've enjoyed it immensely.
0: Awesome. We Can- Just heard "Cookie" by 117. Thanks so much to Matt for coming on the show. Uh, as I said at the beginning, it was a lot of fun to just kind of hang out and uh, fanboy a little bit with him. And uh, yeah, so if you haven't listened to uh, "Basic Glitches" by 117 or "The Fast Feeling," uh, you know, go go check those out because they're super great, super fun records. And I think that you will enjoy them. Uh, So thank you to everyone for listening to the show. Uh, Stay safe. And I will be back with you
1: uh, hopefully next week with another episode. Later.